Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Welcome to Yale University Healthcasts, brought to you by Yale Health. The future of care is here. With us today is Dr. James Perlato, Chief of Student and Athletic Medicine at Yale Health. Jim, welcome. Thanks, Adam. Glad to be here. We're here today to talk about a topic that many folks may think went the way of the dinosaur because you don't hear a lot about it in the context of other more prominent sexually transmitted infections such as HIV or HPV or even gonorrhea and chlamydia, which we've covered. Um, syphilis is the topic at hand. Could you talk to us a little bit about just what it is and how you can get it? Absolutely, Adam. And syphilis is a very fascinating illness. And it's interesting to think about the history of it for a minute. Um, when it first began to be recognized in Europe in the later uh, Middle Ages or early Renaissance times, um, it was a very shocking illness. And the French called it the Spanish disease, and the Spanish called it the French disease. And everyone tried to blame someone else for it. Probably syphilis originated in the New World and was transported back to the Old World after Europeans made contact with Native Americans. It's caused by a bacteria uh, called a spirochete. It has a very typical spiral shape and when looked at under the microscope. And syphilis is a very serious illness because it goes through three different stages potentially in a person's body um, and each time it progresses through those stages, it causes more and more damage to the person's body. Um, and so let me describe those three stages briefly um, and then remind me to talk about how a person can get it and what can be done. But syphilis um, is very easy to contract from even relatively casual contact with another person, and I mean sexual or physical contact. So syphilis does not rely on the exchange of blood or bodily fluids the way, for example, HIV does. Syphilis can be transmitted simply by coming into skin-to-skin -skin contact or mouth-to-genital area contact or mouth-to-anal area contact simply by that relatively brief contact. It goes from a mucous membrane or skin surface of one person right across to another. If I can interrupt you here yes. just for a moment, Dr. Pilato, are we talking about skin-to-skin -skin or mucous membrane-to-skin contact of an open sore or lesion, or are we talking about intact skin? Well, it's usually from initially an open lesion that we call a chancre or an ulcer, but it can even be transmitted in the secondary stages just from skin-through-skin -skin contact. That is possible. So it makes syphilis a dangerous illness because it's relatively easy to contract. Um, and so let me say that when a person first gets exposed to syphilis, the first symptom usually is a uh, painless, raised, ulcerated area that can occur on the lip or on the penis, on the opening of the vagina, or on the anal area, um, and oftentimes will last for several weeks. Um, very often, patients don't come in to see their doctor because the lesion doesn't hurt. And so they imagine that it must not be very serious. But it can be as large as a half an inch or more. Um, it may drain a little bit of fluid. And then if it's not recognized and treated, the lesion will appear to heal over and go away. But in fact, the syphilis bacteria then goes almost underground inside the person's body. 
and hides quietly perhaps for six months or so and then comes out in the secondary stage of syphilis, which is um, a very different form. And in that case, the uh, symptoms can include a whole range of uh, findings that include a rash that breaks out on the skin, a pink kind of spotty rash um, that uh, the hallmark is that it can occur on the palms of the hands and the soles of the feet. And there are very few rashes that occur on our palms and our soles. So that's often a signal that this might be syphilis. But syphilis in the secondary stages can cause everything from hair loss, swollen glands in the neck and under the arm and in the groin area, um, fevers, um, muscle achiness, uh, joint swelling. Um, and in many uh, years ago, it used to be called the great imitator because it imitated so many other different types of illnesses. Now, if syphilis is then not recognized in its secondary stage, very unfortunately, if it's not treated, it will go underground again, and then it comes back in its third stage, and that's a very serious and damaging stage to the body, Adam. And in that stage, it can affect the brain and the spinal column, it causes a terrible condition where people lose their balance and fall down and lose their sensation. It also causes a terrible symptom of actually damaging and eroding the cartilages of our body so that people often lose parts of their nose, their ears, their gums. And so syphilis in the tertiary stages is a, is a very, very serious and dangerous illness. Now, in the olden days, um, back when the French and the Spanish were fighting, obviously yes. they didn't have good methods for testing for syphilis. Yes. In the year um, 2011 or beyond, uh, what are the current testing methods that we have available for folks? Good question. And syphilis, fortunately, can be detected by a very, very easy test, uh, a blood test, that, that is easily done at any uh, regular laboratory. Um, it's called an RPR test, or also can be known as a VDRL test, um, and is just a simple blood test. Um, once a person has had the lesion on the outer part of the body, the primary syphilis lesion, um, the RPR test is actually a very reliable test and um, is uh, helpful at diagnosing the illness you know, often. But uh, as I mentioned with some of the other testing for STIs, if the test is done a little bit too early in the course of the illness, that test might miss it. And so if there's a strong suspicion and the initial test is negative, we will often ask the patient to come back and repeat that blood test uh, perhaps a month or so later. But once the person has reached the secondary stages of syphilis, that RPR test is, is virtually 100% reliable at detecting that illness. Um, there is a follow-up test called an FTA uh, test, which tests a little bit more specifically a fluorescent antibody test for the, the, um, the spirochete, which also goes by the name of a treponeme. And so that test often is helpful at confirming it. Um, culturing the bacteria that causes syphilis from an open sore or ulcerated area is actually very difficult. That's the old-fashioned way of trying to find syphilis, but that's much less reliable than the blood test is. Okay. Now the next obvious question, now that we've got testing covered, is if someone is diagnosed with syphilis, what are the treatments for this? Syphilis, uh, again, very fortunately is curable 
especially if caught early. That's really good news for all of us. And syphilis is treated by giving a one-time shot of a strong dose of penicillin. Um, I have to tell you that it does hurt a little bit when you get that shot in the butt, but that it is really good news for patients because it's essentially 100% effective at curing syphilis. Syphilis has not developed resistance against penicillin. The biggest problem that we have is in patients who are so allergic to penicillin that it would not be possible for them to get this shot. And in those patients, we often have to consider either a very specialized way of desensitizing them to penicillin and then trying to give them the penicillin shot since it really is the most reliable treatment. Um, or there are several other antibiotics as a secondary line that we can try. Um, if a person is also infected with HIV at the same time as syphilis, that makes the situation more complicated. And oftentimes those patients need to be treated with a series of three shots of penicillin a week apart. Um, or occasionally we even have to put in an IV line and treat a patient with a continuous infusion of penicillin for several weeks. So it's important to, um, to make sure that the right treatment is offered to try and help cure syphilis so it doesn't progress to that third or tertiary stage of syphilis. Some of our listeners, and I'll just mention this in closing, may think that syphilis is something that's unique to only specific or high-risk groups. Um, what exactly is the prevalence of syphilis, and is this something that everyone should be concerned about? Yeah, syphilis is one of the sexually transmitted illnesses that is on a, a definite rise over the last decade. I can actually tell you that through the 1980s and early 1990s, there was even some thought in the U.S. that syphilis was gradually going to disappear. And then there was a, an unexpected and dramatic resurgence of syphilis in our country um, in the late 1990s. Many people worry that this is in conjunction with the rise of HIV, also in our society at that time. And so it is true that even in Connecticut, we have seen um, many, many more cases of syphilis over the last five or 10 years by far than we were seeing uh, even a short time ago. So syphilis is definitely an increasing problem. There is one group of people who seem to be most at risk for syphilis, um, and that is, again, men who have sex with men. That might include gay or bisexual men, or also men who do not necessarily label themselves as gay or bisexual, but enjoy sexual contact with men occasionally or even frequently. Um, and anyone who is a man who has sex with men is definitely especially at risk for syphilis. It seems to have become prevalent in that community. Anybody can catch syphilis. It doesn't really care if you're gay or straight, but it just happens to be very prevalent in that community. Um, it can also be very easily passed from a mother to a baby with very bad consequences for the baby. And so um, syphilis testing is almost always done um, on a woman when she is pregnant to try and help prevent that. All excellent information, Dr. Pilato. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. This has been a Yale University HealthCast, sponsored by Yale Health and the Office of Public Affairs. For more information on this and other health topics, visit our website, yalehealth.yale.edu.